Quick disclaimer, on this episode, we're talking about nootropics, herbal supplements, plant medicines, stuff that might affect you differently than it affects us. This is not a substitute for medical advice, and we are not medical professionals. So please, before taking anything we talk about on here, consult with your own self and your own team of experts that help you determine what is best for your body. All right, enjoy. Hey, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Ecosystem Podcast, where we aim to help you, the big-hearted change maker with a bold vision to build a business that gives you butterflies and a life that makes you want to high-five yourself. How? By addressing the interconnected nature of all that you do. From marketing to mindset and everything in between, we believe your business is more ecosystem than monoculture and that when it comes to creating sustainable success, it's all connected and there is no one-size-fits-all formula. Join us for conversations that embrace nuance, elevate the importance of empathy, and address the diverse and unique strengths that enable entrepreneurs to not just make money, but to make real lasting positive change in a regenerative and revolutionary way. Welcome back to the Entrepreneur's Ecosystem with Shanti Zach and Don Petrin. We are so excited today to have Matt Brown on the pod. He is definitely a person who is out there doing things. He is a full stack conversion specialist who loves to help coaches, course creators, and mission-driven entrepreneurs grow their businesses with powerful messaging and intelligent systems. He's worked in the trenches of nearly every niche imaginable, SaaS, health and wellness, business training, financial education, and personal development. And when he's not building growth ecosystems, you can find him drinking aged, he just taught me how to say this and I don't know, so Matt, you'll have to say tea, uh, foraging for mushrooms and hopping in the nearest sauna or hot tub. So basically sounds like probably our new bestie for sure. Hey, Shanti. Yes. If you add wild hot springs to the end of that bio, Mm. then Matt, we're we're kindred spirits. Okay, so we love the Wild Hot Springs. We have one that's pretty close to what's called Brighton Bush, um, but they were devastated by some forest fires mm-hmm. in recent years. And so we haven't had an opportunity to go back there, which is such a bummer. And I mean, I, we've got some amazing hot spring stories if we want to get to those later in the podcast, but that is my jam. So we are definitely new besties <laughs> new besties yay yes 100 and, and that we tea to... that i couldn't pronounce what is it because shanti's drinking it right now we're actually having a podcast tea party currently and what is this tea that you spend your time drinking so i i love tea and my favorite type of tea is called puer puer tea mm-hmm. and the type that both shanti and i are drinking today i don't know if this is just some synchronicity but 
I'm also drinking a show puer, which is a cooked puer, also known as ripe puer. So there's two main categories of puer tea. There's show puer, ripe puer, and then there's shang puer, raw. And one is brown and one is green. And we could probably spend the next 90 minutes or whatever just talking about that. But I don't know if people would, if they're a listener, would just drop off after. <laughs> well, I did want to, I did want to ask actually what your tea recommendation would be for anyone who wants, and this is really like what I want from a cup of tea is that like slight energy boost, enhanced sort of focus and also a delicious experience? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think a lot of it has to do with like your own physiology and your own body and where you're at, like, for me, like my sweet spot is shopware. And that's like my favorite type of tea. But for some people, it can feel like too heavy, and like a little bit too relaxing in a way it's like got this unique combination of relaxation and energy that's associated with it. So it really just depends on like, the type of person that you are. So if you're kind of more of like a super heady, like kind of scattered, like, not scattered, but like, if you have more of like a light disposition, like you might do better with an oolong um, mm. or a white tea. Like my wife, for example, she's not as crazy about these, but she loves white teas and she loves oolongs. And it really, it really just depends. I know we're getting off to a strong start here, but it depends. Oh, I is mean, our we could probably answer. go into like Ayurvedic constitutions, <gasps> right? And- and yeah. vata might exactly. be more oolong white tea, whereas, do you know your dosha, Matt? So I'm a, a kapha vata. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I feel like my body is like very much like more of that like water heavy vibe, but my mind is like super like fast and kind of like probably tends a little bit more towards like the anxiety side of things versus like the anger side of things if if that makes sense mm-hmm. right of pitta yeah yeah i need to redo my dosha test because every time i do it it's different at one point i was full kapha and and very little pitta or vata but i think i think now i'm a weird combination i'm gonna depending wait. on yeah, you go. You go. <laughs> depending on what the circumstance demands. And like my children, they pull out my pitta. What can yeah. I say? I'm right. like, why are you making me dump coffee on my head? Which is what <laughs> happened yesterday morning. You know. Yeah. So doshas is uh in Ayurveda. For any of the listeners out there who are like, the heck are these weirdos <laughs> talking about? Um, doshas are like your constitution uh in Ayurveda, which is the sister science to yoga. And Vada, which uh, Matt was describing really well as the people who would like oolong tea or should have oolong tea is like the air constitution. And that makes a lot of sense to me um, that we would want like maybe something a little bit more grounding like an oolong. I say we because I'm tri-doshic. So there's three doshas. Uh, Vada is air. Pitta is fire. And Kapha is um, like earth, earthy. So yeah, I'm tridoshic, but I tend towards like kapha in my body. If I haven't been exercising, I'm j- I could just stay in bed, eat popcorn and read books 
all the time for the rest of my life. And if I had a little chocolate bar with some salt and caramel next to it, I would never have to leave bed. Um, right. But then I tend towards like pitta often, which makes sense. Cause I have all the Sagittarius in me and then for sure, Vada, if we have too many projects going or something, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I just wanted to like, in case uh, us starting to speak in um, probably a poor accent of Sanskrit uh, started to confuse people, I thought maybe it was a good idea to just <laughs> going on the ground us in the concepts. Okay. Yeah. okay, eventually we will talk about business and marketing. You mentioned popcorn, Don, and yes, and Matt and I like both have a popcorn passion too. Yes, me too. So, favorite recipe and i i fully admit i haven't tried your popcorn recipe yet i i gotta come clean as well i haven't tried yours yet shanti (gasps) but like we're diehards of our own methods i think and you guys don't even know mine no, we don't know yours, Don. We're going to find Oh, out. I've had your popcorn. It is very good. That's not my main recipe, though. I want to hear yours, oh. both of yours first. If we can share this uh, oh, out there sure. in the it's internet. Not, it's not a trade secret, you know. And, but Shanti, this was the moment I knew we were going to be friends is when, like, you, like, immediately challenged me on my popcorn <laughs> recipe. You were like, uh, yeah, that sounds good and all. Sounds like you got some good stuff going on in there. But uh, have you heard, have you tried this? And you linked to, like, a Google Doc with your, yeah. like, popcorn recipe and I'm like all right yeah she's she's taking this to the next level and I gotta I gotta pay respect but so yeah love popcorn we eat it probably more than we should um my wife and I joke that like our house is called popcorn abbey because like we just like love popcorn so much so the recipe is it's like I I like to either go with like the tri-colored popcorn which is like the purple yellow white blend or just a full white uh popcorn um and then you know we cook that in like a high heat oil i think shanti you use coconut oil and like i've just never had success with that because it just starts smoking so much yeah yeah i do a blend now i do like avocado and coconut that seems to work well because certainly it burns easily with pure coconut yeah avocado oil is amazing so we'll use something like that and then obviously pop the popcorn And then what I do is like, I take like 80% of the popcorn out of the popper, the pot, and I put that into the bowl. And then while that's in the bowl, I'm like cranking the gear on the thing. So like the remaining 20% kind of gets this like almost burnt thing going on, like a crispy, I like to crisp it up a little bit. Because I like that, you know, I like a little bit of the burnt on the popcorn. Then I take that off and let that just sit there and then... We top it with, we do like a olive oil coat, you know, extra virgin olive oil on top of the popcorn. I'll like mix that up. Then we pop in the real salt, some garlic powder, paprika, a little, little bit of pepper, mix that all up again. And then I top the whole thing off with nutritional yeast. And then I add in like the, the remaining 20% of like the little bit crispy and I mix that all up and then we split it up into two bowls and, you know, pop on movie or something like that so that's that's my popcorn recipe i love it i love it you don't use butter we only use butter if we run out of like olive oil um (laughs) i love i love butter but i just find like the consistency of the oil like kind of glazes and coats the popcorn a little bit better than um the butter which kind of gets a little clumpy in areas yeah yeah okay i'm gonna try it with a good olive oil and, and skip out on the butter i believe you 
But I don't know that awesome. I've ever had popcorn without without butter. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, I'm a you know I'm a butter girl. Yeah. I have a do- I, my little daughter Juno knows. Um, sorry, Dawn knows Juno. She eats butter straight up. She is obsessed with butter. She will climb the counter just to get to the butter. She will eat like she, if she no gets her hands way. on a on a block of butter, she's eating pure butter. But it's yeah. like such a great food in a way it's great yeah. for your brain it's great for your body so oh yeah oh yeah she's she's strong she's not wow. she's not she a buttery strong. constitution okay we got to try that popcorn i'll put my popcorn recipe in the comments or not the comments sorry it's friday you guys i can't think <laughs> the show notes mm-hmm. it's also in my welcome email um in my welcome series i'm like here's oh, my, my popcorn recipe. that's amazing well, uh, and I, I was going to say, like, I feel like you could just totally steal that idea from Shanti because we have like a emperor has no clothes problem here with Matt, which is that I went to his website and it doesn't really exist yet. But no, maybe I don't, I don't know for, what, what URL did you find? Well, I just <laughs> I tried to use your email address. Oh, yeah. As, that's just like for G Suite. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw that in, in, our, in your intake form, but I was like, well, maybe now he has it. But if you wanted, I think for our listeners, if you wanted to create a real simple lead magnet that was your popcorn recipe with the methodology on it, you know, I, I don't know that it would convert into like copy. I think it would. I think it would with our listeners. It really might. So that's my challenge to you. Uh, this podcast won't be out for like three weeks anyway. So you got some time. And uh, we, I'm have, gonna... we have a couple options here. I love that idea, Don. <laughs> so like one option could be, and we can decide which is the best way to go. I can, you know, totally swipe uh, Shanti's idea and create a Google doc. And then I can create a redirect link based on the URLs that I own, which is like, if you go to mattbrownwhatever.com slash popcorn, that'll send you to the Google doc. But in terms of like, if you wanted to connect, I don't know, email or like face Facebook, I just, yeah, I don't, sure. I don't have any way for people to go find out about me. Really. I love it. Personally, I think websites are a little overrated. Mm. So, you know, I mean, yeah. Landing They're, pages though. I got a sweet spot for a good landing page. For sure. But Maybe the I website, can sign up for like a lead pages account. And yeah, so big. No, you, so big. you can just use it from like your email marketing provider. But why am I telling you? We haven't said anything about everything that you know yet. But before we do, I'm just going to say shout out to Ryan Hansen and Sri Racha and Fresh Dill on your popcorn. That's what I'm saying. Wait, wait, what's Ryan Hansen? Just like my friend's recipe. I don't want to like oh, steal okay. people. I'm like, from, is you this know, you some always... <laughs> Canadian condiment I don't know about? Yeah, I was like, is this a spice? <laughs> I just think it's always important to name our teachers, right? So when it comes to popcorn, I would feel really, he probably isn't listening, but one day he might be listening and be like, oh, she stole my popcorn recipe and then put it out onto the internet. But yeah, sriracha, fresh dill. You don't even need salt or butter or oil. Sounds sacrilege, but I double dog dare you to try it. So that's your popcorn recipe, Don? That's it. All right, so yeah. you just do the popcorn and then you put sriracha on it and then you throw some fresh dill on there. Yeah, but then what's different for me is that my dad taught me, see, naming my teacher again, I like coat every piece almost by like tossing the popcorn bowl, not the bowl, but tossing it up in the air and you should see my bowl. It's massive. And then like flipping it all over and doing layers. So you have this like even 
topping of popcorn or popcorn topping throughout the entire uh, you don't even want to know that bowl is so big. I can like, <laughs> it's really big. And I, I can, it's just dinner for me. Anyway. No, that sounds, that sounds great. It sounds like what we do. We use like a huge metal mixing bowl and yes. all that. Otherwise popcorn is just like getting on the floor. And you gotta <laughs> vacuum it up. Oh yeah. I do not have an appropriate popcorn bowl. And Dawn's bowl is at my house right now. I should, I oh, should make, yeah. a, make a batch of popcorn in that. Later. It's going to change your popcorn game. Chassis. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, you guys have talked about your popcorn. I'm just going to, I'm just going to put some teasers in so that people want to check out my popcorn recipe too, which my brother calls messy popcorn. Okay. Cause it's that, it's that good. It's that addicting. Yeah. And I throw in crispy garlic slivers fried mm-hmm. in butter. Oh my God. And then I put some honey in that butter and and hot sauce, and I make this like spicy, sweet, garlicky butter sauce to go on it, and that's really rich. So at the end, I put balsamic vinegar and kind of cut the fat, and of course, paprika smoked all the way, nutritional yeast, yeah, good salt. Uh, I just got some truffle salt the other day, so um, nice. I'm gonna make some truffle popcorn soon. <laughs> This is like the $15 bowl of popcorn. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> truffle oil, if you have it. Fresh truffles. Oh, my If you goodness. live in Portland and you can be friends with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Have you seen Pig, Matt? I saw the trailer. I haven't watched it. I do love Nicolas Cage and Nicolas Cage movies, though. But, like, for some reason, like, anything that's about Portland, I can't watch because I don't <laughs> want, like, my... <laughs> my version of the city to like be in conflict with you know other other things i'm like i like i like where i live and um all that but i, I should probably watch it someday have you seen it in my opinion it is the best nicholas cage film what better than national made. treasure way better than national treasure even better than the weatherman even better than adaptation Whoa. have you seen um bad lieutenant no you got to check out Bad Lieutenant. It is a strange and like dark movie, but I walked away from that viewing with like a whole new level of appreciation for Nicolas Cage. It's like he's at 110% the whole movie. So Okay, okay. Adding that to the watch don't, list. Don't watch it with the kids. It's not it's not a kids movie. One okay. time I went to the wrong sushi restaurant to meet my friend and Nicolas Cage was sitting there with his girlfriend and he had huge rings on and I surreptitiously put my phone to the side and I have a picture and I've changed my phone twice now and I'm not even a huge Nicolas Cage fan <laughs> but I keep transferring the photo no over way. that's my big that's my <laughs> you know seven degrees of separation I, and then I like called my friend I was like where are you and she's like I'm at another <coughs> place and I was like I am just here to have this Nicolas Cage sighting. The universe wanted me <laughs> to see it was him. meant to be. <laughs> yeah. But yes. I didn't go say Okay, you got to anything. share this image with Please us do. so we can put, put it, it in, in the show email. notes. Put it in the show, <laughs> put it in the show <laughs> notes. It's so bad. Like, could you tell it's Nicolas Cage? Probably not. Can you see his ring? Yes. <laughs> That's all that matters. Uh, we got... Matt's dosha at the beginning, which is almost the answer to this question. And I know we're already into this podcast, but we do try and ask everyone who comes on this question. 
So do you identify with any of the characteristics of your astrology or human design, Enneagram or DISC or Myers-Briggs or whatever? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Okay, go tell us. Okay, so as a listener of this podcast, the <laughs> Entrepreneur's Ecosystem, I came prepared. So I like have all of my <laughs> things at the top of my mind. Uh, and I relate to some of them more just because I know more about those fields and some things like astrology, I rely on like my wife and friends to tell me more about because it's like such a rabbit hole that I just like have never gone fully down. Mm -hmm. But I know you guys just met me and I know Shanti, we've, you know, we've just been on some calls together, but if you had to guess what my astrology sign was, what would you say? Hmm. That's a good question. The first thing that comes to my mind is Virgo. Okay. Yeah. No. I have like no like, Virgo anywhere. Full stackness. <laughs> I just found out my Venus is in Virgo, which is interesting. Okay. Gemini? Well, you're a Gemini. 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 Nice. Okay. Okay. How I pulled Gemini is. Yeah. How? You're so good at copywriting, but also technology. It's the twin. And it's the twin oh, thing. Oh, interesting. But Virgo also. I could see you being a Virgo because you seem like an organized and, and together kind of guy. And, and most times, well, not most times, but often the most organized people end up being Virgos. I'm glad I come across that way because <laughs> organized is not necessarily the word I would choose to describe myself. I feel like there's like, I have, I have my own personal organization system in my brain, but like, you cannot get me to use like Airtable or Asana or Trello. Like those things just like do not make sense to my brain, even though a lot of other things do. But yeah, I'm a Gemini sun, Pisces moon. Okay. I was going to say Pisces. Aries rising. Oh, interesting. So Good combo. That's, that's that. Yeah. And I, I definitely like have thought, like, you know, explored what, Gemini is all about and Mercury and I have Mercury, you know, I'm way out of my depths here, but I have a lot of Mercury placements through my charts, uh, through my chart. And yeah, I feel like that sort of like the information, the, yeah. the God right. communication the between like heaven and earth, the messenger, especially working in this space, you know, online marketing, copywriting systems. I feel like that's, it's like you're taking the message from the entrepreneur and delivering it to the audience. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like there's definitely some divine support there because, uh, you know, not, ev not everyone enjoys that sort of thing. So I kind of relate to that aspect of it, but I have, I feel like I kind of, I probably should know more about my, my chart, but I just like, I, I don't. I can confidently say, you know, more than the average person. Yes, already. exactly. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Okay. And then you said you came prepared. So what uh, else do you got for us? Just like rapid fire. So like my Myers-Briggs okay. is I'm an INFP. Okay. Was going to guess that. But I'm definitely, I feel like I have a certain amount of extroversion that I'm like really close on the I and E. Like I love people. I'm not like your classic introvert where it's lock me in a room, even though I do love being in this room by myself. <laughs> but you know, doing things like this, like podcasting really excites me. And I love talking with people. And I love meeting people. So that's never really been like a challenge for me. My Enneagram, I'm a type nine. Ah, nice. 
which I think is the peacemaker. Mm-hmm. That's the archetype associated with it. The disc profile, I'm high S and high C. So like, I think that's where like the systems and processes competency comes into play. Um, and I find that a lot of entrepreneurs are really high I and high D mm-hmm. business owners. And so I definitely feel like I compliment them well in that. And then human design is what I know the least about. Is human design the same thing as gene keys? Oh, similar. I think that gene keys is maybe based off human design. Okay. Yeah, I, there's I, similarities. I've done my human design like profile. I took, took a quiz, um, probably multiple of them, and I am a manifester. Nice. Can you, what, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. I mean, I think manifester and manifester generator, those are two separate ones, right? Yeah. So I know manifester generators, generators like get shit done, make things happen. Manifester, I think, is more make things happen. Yeah. And less get shit done. But you can like bring your visions to life. Yeah. I like really to think of easily. manifestors as like catalysts, right? Like, things like sort of like flow through them, but they aren't necessarily going to like, like they, they'll have a vision, they'll make things happen, but they'll probably have a little like bunch of minion generators. I'm a generator. I'm always disparaging it on this podcast. (laughs) A bunch of minion generators out working 16 hours a day to turn the vision into life or something. Yeah, I don't know, because I love, I really enjoy working, you know, I like get a lot of pleasure from getting things done. Mm. So, but, you know, there's all, we have all these different systems and like personality yeah. types. So it's like. Mm-hmm. Pick and choose. Yeah. And like, each. I like human design and I like horoscope, but stuff that's just like based on when you're born kind of, I take with a grain of salt to a certain extent. I was six weeks early. So I'm like, I could have been any of these things or, or what have you. Also, I can, I understand why we're, we're for sure new besties now because Chantel and I are both ENFP, INFPs, right? Shanti, I'm not wrong on that. No way. Yeah. 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 And the ambivert ambivert struggle is real with that because you take the test in different states and I'll just get one or the other, but it's definitely an ambivert problem to like be on the, on the fence between those two, I think. Yeah. yeah. It's fun though. That's, that's it. I, I feel like that's crazy. We're all the same Myers-Briggs type. Yeah, we all exactly. love popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Us, me- us mediators, we just like, we just are like in those comments. <laughs> Eating the popcorn, <laughs> watching the drama go down. Oh my goodness. Oh, um, yay. Well, thank no, you for sharing. Everyone knows everything about me and my def- define me on the, the piece of paper or whatever. <laughs> yeah, we can end the call. <laughs> All right. So thanks for showing up and <laughs> hope you have a beautiful day. We'll drop your, your links in the sh- No, just joking. I feel like we usually follow up this question like, how does this understanding of your strengths? Um, and your weaknesses like affect you in your business or help you in your business. Uh, I feel like you did hit some of those points, but if you have anything else you want to share, that would be awesome. Yeah, definitely. So like the Mercury Gemini stuff, I feel like is just great for writing and communicating and coming up with messaging. And Shanti, what you said about like, oh, the twins also having a real like 
love of all the technology and, and that stuff, like that, that just clicked for me. That's like, oh, that makes total sense. Like why that is <laughs> what that is. You're straddling both, both worlds. Yeah. But also like, what's interesting is like, I would not necessarily consider myself like an entrepreneur, but I feel like my personality and my kind of strengths and weaknesses are really a great complement for entrepreneurs. And so I find like I'm like a super great ally for entrepreneurs, like these kind of hard charging people like from the Enneagram. Most of the people I work with are like threes and eights. They're like, just get stuff done, you know, like hard charging people. And I'm a nine. So I'm kind of more like on the chill side of things, I guess, if that's real. And it's just going to be this really balanced, like really nice harmony and this really nice balance between, okay, you've got an eight or a three that are just like, all right, we're going full steam ahead in this direction. And then if you had another person like that, you'd be like, well, let's go this way. Let's do this. You have like this conflict. Whereas I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Here are some, maybe some things we could do differently, but also we don't, we just don't have the same priorities. So like, I don't have a problem like being on a team or not being quote unquote, my own boss, you know, like I love collaborating with people and I love taking direction from people I respect and I love getting feedback from people I respect. Um, so yeah, I feel like that's probably an answer to your question. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's so neat. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, actually is sort of this glamorization, romanticization of entrepreneur and that like be your own boss trope that is so like in our faces all the time but I've been thinking about it in the context of like okay I've got this amazing team got Don like working alongside me every day it's amazing got all these other wonderful people and I'm like and I strive to create an environment where it's like it can be just as romantic to like work for someone else if you've got an awesome culture and and there's like lots of room for opportunity within that and it's just funny that you mentioned that because yeah it's something that's been on my mind especially with the the state of Canada where like you don't agree you're fired and it's messed up yeah so the the opposite of that (laughs) is what I've been meditating on yeah yeah, and if you I, agree, I just, you're fired. <laughs> uh, I feel like what you're talking about is like creating this entrepreneur ecosystem, creating an entrepreneurial environment. And that's the sort of environment I do really well in because I've worked in jobs and I've had I had a career before this, a career, I'll, let's put it in quotes. Um, and it was just like that, those sort of things, creativity, like unique problem solving, like coming up with new ways to do things was just not part of the culture of those environments. And that was really challenging for me. So that's why I love working in this area or like being in this field, because it's like, when you're in an entrepreneurial environment, you can say, hey, I think we should do this. And the person's like, that's a great idea. Let's do it, let's try it. And like failure and testing is like the requisite path to success. So it's like, I I just, I really like that. Right. Yeah, and a level of ownership that's polarized against micromanagement, I would Mm -hmm. say. It's like, this is your zone of genius. Go do your thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned you've got this understanding of personality types and how they relate to building strong and flexible teams. 
And I'm curious, you said you work with a lot of threes. So that I'm sure plays into it. But what other dynamics in terms of personality types have you seen work really well? Yeah, so a lot of the stuff that I do is kind of like the nitty gritty stuff. Like you writing a launch series, you know, writing 20 emails is very detailed work and it requires a precise understanding of timing of the audience awareness of an offer uh, at a particular time, like the stage of the launch that you're in or the stage of a page that you're in, as well as building out the like automations and handling all of the tech side of things like connecting deadline funnel to the landing page that's built in Kajabi that applies the tag and active campaign that starts this or removes somebody from this. And what I found is like the threes and eights, high Ds, high I's, they're like, we're going to launch. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be the best thing ever. And it's going to be amazing. And then when it's like, they open up active campaign and they're like, okay, time to build a launch automation. It's just like their brain starts to explode. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're like, I don't want to do this. And then they end up coming to work with somebody like me who, where I'm not like the sort of guy that's like sitting around thinking of like, what's the next big idea? What's the next big launch? How can we do this, do this? But if you're like, okay, here's the big idea. Now let's like translate this into what is actually technically required to implement this. That is what I really like. And I love like the intricacy of designing all those systems, creating that messaging, like kind of following this thing through, if, if that makes sense. I love it. Yeah. Does that, that resonate? Me. Yeah. Well, I'm a three or no, she's a three and I'm an eight. So you're oh, just no speaking way. directly to us. No <laughs> yeah. <way. laughs> yeah. We need, like, we need people like you. Yeah. Life. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. You know, our our Elisa is the nine. I think she was a three when she was like going hard on her like entrepreneurial thing. But when she came full time, she's like, "I yeah. redid the Enneagram and I'm a nine now." So what you're saying is like resonating super well here. I feel like, do you have any five in you? I feel like what you're talking about with like the systems and the like logic and like actually being able to deal with the like minutia of active campaign, convert kit, etc is like also seems like it might fit in in that Enneagram as well. I don't know if I have any five in me, but my dad was a software developer. Sure. So I feel like there's got to be some genetic, you know, thing going on in there where like that part of my brain is just like those synapses are a little bit more developed, you know. Can you see that modeled? Yeah. So I think you've sort of described what you do. Can you describe for our listeners, like, cause I, I, in your bio, it says full stack conversion. So I want to know, I I, I get full stack in lots of um, contexts, but I'd love to know like what full stack means in relation to Matt. Yeah. Great question. And I will just preface this by saying I'm in a perpetual identity crisis about what I actually do because it's like always evolving and always changing And really, I think where this came from is that like when I first got into this space, I was like my two primary focuses were on content and copywriting. So learning the core competencies of how to write an article that ranks and doing SEO and generating traffic that way and converting that into leads and then going deep on copywriting and okay, how to write pages that convert, how to write emails that convert 
And, you know, I've been through copy school and with Joanna and Rye and like naming your teachers, they are the people I've absolutely learned the most from. And, but then when I started having, so throughout that time, I was always also just like, Hey Matt, can you set up deadline funnel? Hey Matt, can you build the automation and active campaign? Hey Matt, we need to set up this, you know, card abandonment flow and drip or blah, 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 blah. It was just like all of these things that I didn't realize were like extra part of the jobs, basically. I was just doing them, but it felt very natural to me. And it wasn't until that I did the program with Phil and Rai Shanti, and I started watching Phil's videos, and I'm like, oh, I've been like doing this for free. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't realize this was like a real, like this is its own job. And like, yeah. that, and so that really inspired me to get more, intentional about the systems. And I basically just completely adopted his way of doing things. So essentially what I do is like, let's say that somebody comes to me and they say, Hey Matt, I've got a 12 week group coaching program and we want to do a launch. You know, in the past I would have been like, great, I can write your emails and I'll write your emails and I'll send you a Google document. And then you and your team can figure out how that's going. But now what I'm doing is more of just like a holistic conversation of being like, what is actually going to increase conversions? Maybe you are the best person to write your emails and maybe I can guide you on that. And maybe the biggest opportunity is um, upgrading your delivery system, your ecosystem, your connecting active campaign to your whole thing, Kajabi or whatever it is that people are using or working with people say, oh, hey, you have an amazing system built, but you cannot write an email to save your life. So I'm going to do that. So it's about having this like flexibility. But the people I typically work with are in like the online transformation space or online education space. They have coaching programs, they have courses, they have memberships, they have all sorts of digital products like that. And we work, I work with them to basically just increase their conversions. Hopefully that's a good answer. It is a great answer. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you do a bit of an audit around what it is they actually need. Mm -hmm. That's pretty rare. We will, yeah, yeah, we'll deliver all the copy and I'm, you know, I'm kind of like, okay, now you go and find the smart tech person to set it all up because it's totally different realm. Right. I, I mean, that you were doing that as part of the the coffee process is like, well. Those were lucky I, people. <laughs> yeah. Well, very lucky. I, I think part of it too, just like came from working on some projects where like at the beginning of the project, when the person tells you the idea, this was earlier in my career when I was less experienced, even then I was like, oh, this isn't going to work. Like, this is just, this is not a good idea, but it's like, I'm just a copywriter. Like, I'll just, you want these emails? You got it. You know, no problem. You're going to pay me? Fine. But mm-hmm. that was always bothering me. I'm like, this is not going to work. This is a bad idea. Like, mm-hmm. And so it just was kind of this gradual evolution into taking more like responsibility or like more of a stake and actually ensuring that the whole thing is going to be a success because coffee is only one part of the conversion process. And if it's, if everything else is great, it can make or break a launch. But if everything else is broken, like maybe that isn't the top priority. Maybe you just focus on clarity and creating a great offer and ensuring it's getting seen by the right people versus, you know, 
writing the most advanced, amazing, persuasive of all time. But then, you know, you have a 5% open rate because your deliverability is all messed up. Right. Absolutely. Deliverability. <laughs> deliverability. Don, you probably just like let out this sigh, like this groan, like, uh. We hear that word and we're like, because Matt, I, I like broke a bunch of cardinal rules that I didn't know were rules when I had this thing called the Sunday set list that I'd do. Yeah, the, send the that out. yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I would link to like 20 different places in one email and have all so many gifts, you know me, and images and all that. And, and oh, apparently that's not good for deliverability. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's deliverability is it's, its own kind of worms. And like, I'm by no means an expert, but I can identify like the 20% of things that are going to have the 80% of their results. And yeah, I think Google and some of like the email service providers view that as kind of like spammy or just like yeah, not delivering a great experience to their users. And yeah, so did your like engagement rates go way down? Yes. We are now in the healing phase of <laughs> trying to improve our deliverability. So to I love those emails, though. They were amazing emails. Uh, right? so. And they were so fun to write. And I love curating lists of, of stuff. That's interesting. But I, I need to find a new way of doing it. Probably just linking to a Google Doc that has everything in there. And yeah. there's just one, one main link. But for now, anyone listening... Hit reply to my emails. <laughs> say hi. Throw me your favorite emoji. You don't even have to say anything. I just send us uh, your enneagram. <laughs> heal deliverability. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Send us your send us your enneagram. Sure. Yeah. Now, anytime a client's like, "Oh, we're gonna launch a newsletter," I'm like. Great. Now let's really think about how much you're going to put in that. Cause you know, it also, I feel like newsletters are breaking like that, you know, cardinal rule of like one big idea per email. So I'm like, okay, let's have one big idea. And then can we have less than just three links? Like, I don't know for sure that that's what caused it for us or even the copywriter club newsletter. I remember maybe last year they sent out something and they were like, do you guys actually like this? Cause it's probably not good for deliverability. And then I think people responded with yes, because they kept going with it. So it's like Google knows, wait, what does Google not know? So they probably know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. So was what you were describing, Matt, is that the new and better way to launch that you, you hinted at? Oh, yeah. oh in my intake form? Like what, no, what is this? I feel like that's like the first step to the new and better way to launch. But when I wrote that, I was more thinking about just building out the full conversion ecosystem, the growth ecosystem, you know, making sure that you have lead scoring set up, tracking set up, and that you're looking for those conversion contacts as they emerge during a launch, you know. So I guess before we get into the new and better way to launch, it's like the old way to launch is to just write 20 emails, you know, schedule one, wait 24 hours, schedule two, wait 24 hours and just send them out statically and, you know, check your, you know, drive card or Stripe account to see if the sales are coming in and kind of adjust accordingly. So that's kind of like the older, more static, just very traditional, like Jeff Walker, you know, three video series or whatever the 
evolve PLF. from that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, PLF. Because yeah. it's like you had PLF and then you had like 10 people make their, yeah. you know, mutation of PLF. And uh, we're doing a Facebook group live video series launch. So it's like you have... A, and that's the other thing too. I mean, I don't want to get off too on too much of a tangent, but one of the first things I try to establish with the people I work with, I'm like, okay, whose marketing Kool-Aid are you on? Like, who, <laughs> like where did you learn this? Like, where did you learn yes. this system? Because like, it's going to be really important to like, maybe what you're really doing is a traditional Jeff Walker style launch, but you learned it from somebody who reinterpreted his ideas and you missed like these things about it. Mm. Like, this isn't going to work you know, or this isn't going to work as well as it potentially could, or maybe we shouldn't even do things like this anyways. Cause you get so many people who just go through course and they're like, I got to do exactly what James Wedmore told me. I got to do exactly what Stu McLaren told me. I got to do this, that. And I'm like, well, you don't actually, but it's like, this is a great starting point. So I would call that like the old way of, you know, the old and maybe less effective way of doing things. And I think the new and better way to launch is to just have a much more dynamic and alive and responsive approach on your part. And this this is maybe getting, I don't know if it's advanced, but it's like riskier for people if this, this is their first or second launch, is maybe you only write half of your emails when the launch starts. So if you have a six-day cart open period, okay, you write all of your pre-launch emails and you get those ready to go. And then you write up to the point of, when you transition from sort of the launch to the sales and closing phase, because you don't know how people are necessarily going to interact with all of your assets, with your sales page. Are they watching your videos? Are they watching the video to the end? Were they on your webinar? How many people showed up to your webinar? And then you you kind of have, you you get this like halftime decision where it's like, all right, we went through the first part. Yes, let's proceed in the direction that we were going to go, or maybe we need to shift and think about a new way to close this launch. Mm -hmm. So that's my preferred way of doing things now. And you can still kind of create, you know, the scaffolding of a traditional launch and have all of your emails written, but know that you're going to be in active campaign or whatever it is every day and looking at these emerging interactions that the people are having with your world. So for example, if you have a single you know webinar and the replay is available for the duration of the launch and it can be viewed on the sales page set up tracking so that you can see what percentage of people are making it halfway through this to the offer completing it and then if you say okay 10 percent of our list has made it through the offer and they visited the sales page three times and they've been to the checkout page make sure you have the time and bandwidth set aside that you can write an email that responds to that situation specifically, or you have another segment of list, which is like 20% of people haven't opened a single email for the past 30 days. What are we going to do about this? You know, it's not just a lost cause. There are things that you can do. So it's sort of like having a plan for hyper engagement and hyper disengagement. Mm, I have many thoughts. (laughs) I just feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. No, that's great. I think. I think that'll really resonate with people because absolutely everyone we work with or talk to or who joins a program has some form of education from one of the gurus who teaches things a certain way. Who are great. I have, I love these people. I've learned a lot from them. But like mixing methods, getting creative, using 
your own ideas too can be, can be really valuable. And then I really relate to what you said. It's not a lost cause. Mm. If you see that 20% of the people aren't opening emails, then most people would just, well, they one wouldn't even know that. Right. Because most people aren't even looking or tracking that and like just focused on the, I got to go live. I got to send this other email out. I got to follow this template. And so it's not a, a responsive way of, of marketing and increasing conversions intelligently. It's more just that throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks, but you can like make some damn good homemade pasta and it's going to take a little longer, but it's going to be so much, so much better. I don't know if that analogy works. I like that it. analogy works. And I want to keep things on brand for your podcast. The way I actually kind of this occurred to me yesterday, which is like, you can choose to engage with the launch environment, you know, all of your pages and emails and systems. And like, you know, you're going to the grocery store and you're going to go get some cultivated shiitake mushrooms for your dinner. And these are available and this is what you can have. And it's plain to see, or you can go wild mushroom foraging and you can explore the undergrowth and you can go to this area where there's no trail. And it's like these tools that everyone has. And that's the other thing is like, people are paying for the most advanced active campaign account and they're not even using like 5% of the features. And it's like, what this does is it allows you to explore this environment that like you could lift up a leaf and be like, holy crap, there's a whole bunch of chanterelles growing here. Like, it's amazing. We got to do something about this. Uh, Oh yeah. But if you don't have like the, the spirit of exploration of like trying to discover what's actually happening in your launch. If you're either too busy or like too afraid to like, look at that stuff. That's why like, I love, I love that environment where it's like half of the reason I do launches launch projects is just to see what happens and Mm. to like, okay, well, what's, what's going to happen when, how are people going to interact with this? Like, what are people going to do and how are people going to segment themselves? So that's my uh, entrepreneur's ecosystem on brand analogy. Oh, so good. I Okay, so I agree. I think this seems like a better way of doing things. But then I think of my friends who launch or clients who launch and how stressed AF they are the whole time. And then I imagine being like an in-house copywriter for someone who wanted to launch like that or like what it would cost to hire us to do your launch for you like that. And I got to tell you, it would not be cheap because like you pretty much need to. Mm -hmm. And then it made me think of like launch midwives and doulas and how you could have like a midwife and a doula for the launch because I feel like I have friends. So this is just like friends of mine who are also into online business who like, I'm like on Voxer, just like, supporting them emotionally, maybe looking at an email before it goes out, but just supporting them emotionally, like not part of like the Shanti Zach team or whatever. Although some people could be from say with grow with quizzes or like, or a client, we had Michelle on a couple of weeks ago and she had some stressful launches and it's the same thing where I just, I can't imagine like, So if you're a big person who's busy and you've got all these videos and you know you're going to go live and then you're going to like interview past people and your emails aren't already uploaded into active campaign beforehand, I think that could be intense. (laughs) 
Yeah. Thanks for pointing that out, Don, because that is absolutely true. And that's why I said, like, I wouldn't recommend this way of doing things unless you had the time, the bandwidth, the personality, or the resources to pay somebody else to do it. And because, yeah, like if you're this, you know, driving force, the sole force behind your launch, if you're, if you're the entrepreneur, if you created this course or this program, this your coach, and you're writing all the emails and you're going live on Instagram and you're trying to do calls with people like, yeah, the last thing you want to do is like mess up your emotions by going into active campaigns. I'm trying to write a call. God, nobody's looked at my sales page yet. You know, <laughs> this is way worse than I thought. So yeah, for like those types of people, it's, it's be way a better use of your energy to just like, you know, stay in a good space, mm-hmm. ensure that you're showing up for your audience in a meaningful way versus like getting in the weeds with, yeah, because you don't want to get lost in the forest looking for mushrooms. You know, you could miss right. the whole thing. But yeah. I think what's great about working with someone like me or you on this is like, you're almost, it's almost like it's impersonal for me. Even if I wrote the emails and I'd like this egotistical part of me wants to see, yeah, I got a 50% open rate and a 10% click rate on these emails I wrote. And this email led to this number of sales. It's still like, because it's not my business and my product and I haven't invested years of my life building it. I'm just not as attached to it as the creator would be. So it's like, I'm, I'm having fun exploring and that's creating expansion for me. And then I can sort of translate that into the opportunities for that person. And because I am also a copywriter, it's nice that I can then just create those messages on the fly for those people and not have to burden them with like, when you finish your live, uh, I need you to write a, an email. And here's the theme of this email. It's like, you know, you're, they're really close and they maybe have these objections and, you know, it's just like, they're not going to do it. So, yeah. 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 And I would like to say that I think there's a universe where you can go to the store and get your shiitake mushrooms. And then on your way home, yes. you can just, just drive side of the road, jump into the forest, do a little, a little quick search. Maybe you find a patch of Matsutake and that's great. You just jump back in the car and go home. I'll give an example of this from something that I've recently realized. And this is simple. This isn't from me digging around in active campaign. This is just feedback from people that I've noticed there's a common thread. And this is a, a miscommunication on my part or a missed opportunity. Mm. And that is, So in growth quizzes, I changed it. At one point, we offered like three months of group coaching calls and three months just wasn't enough. People just kept saying, we need more time. And so we extended it to six months. And then eventually I was like, whatever, let's just do 12 months. Because then people can like, they can come back. We can help them optimize. We can like create this really spacious container we love that word for folks who are worried about the time thing, because it's a big objection, especially with courses. I have so many courses on the go. Can I really do this right now? And I'm like, oh, well, you have 12 months of access, direct access to me to help you through it. So there you go. It should be objection busted. But the miscommunication came Uh where a bunch of people were responding and saying like, I don't want it to take that long. I want to do this faster. I don't want to take 12 months. And I'm like, no, no, no. It doesn't need to take 12 months. I'm just giving you that in case 
in case you need it, in case you don't start right away, or in case you do it really quickly and then you want to come back and make yeah. it better or do another one. But this, I didn't communicate that well enough. So it's mm-hmm. like I could, if we were in a launch on the fly, send an email out that's like, you don't get 12 months because it takes 12 months. You get 12 months because I just want to be a generous person who gives you all the support you need. And that would solve the problem, right? So and that would be such an amazing email because it's a way to like reinforce the benefits of your program and talk about, you know, how you can get this quick win. You know, mm-hmm. in, in a month, you could have a version 1.0 quiz up and running, but yeah. You know, you get 11 more months of support with me to make sure that that becomes your forever quiz or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. and, and our messaging is also like over the last couple of years, you've also added so much more of the funnel. Like there's an offer workshop, there's a sales page workshop and template. And like, that's part of the, like, it's, it's grow with quizzes, but it's like, right. but, but has the messaging been updated I mean, it has, but to actually include, like you get a full year because this is a full funnel is like something. And actually this brings me to something I was going to say, which is like, even if you don't have the ability to pivot or shoot out extra emails or delete an email in your launch, I think maybe a launch debrief with someone who knows what the heck's going on in your CRM could like Mm -hmm. maybe actually be a good way for people who are just like, no, I just need to do a launch and get through it. I, I don't, I can't, I can't like have a on-call copywriter, but then afterwards, because, and I was thinking about evergreen, so many people want to go evergreen, right. And evergreen, I think there's opportunities to do that sort of like automated intimacy thing that, um, Ryan Phil teach, but also the point is not to have to do that all of the time. So if you were to launch regular, not regular, what have you, launch launch, and just do the launch, have a plan and do the plan, and then do a really good debrief and then actually take action, you might be able to, to move more towards a responsive launch than like we do this sometimes, right, Shanti, where we don't really debrief and then it's like, oh, it's time to launch again. And we're like, Ooh, what did we yeah. learn? And then we're like, well, we learned some things, but like, did people show up to that one live or not? We don't know anymore. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a great idea. And I think the key is just ensuring that you have the systems in place beforehand to capture all the information where even if you're not going to, use that information in real time for this launch, you need to be, you need to have site tracking installed. You need to have lead scoring installed. You need to make sure all of your properties are connected correctly. And, you know, you have, you know, the right things applying the right tags so that a week after your cart closes, someone could go in there and actually make sense of the data. The problem is if you don't have any of that set up, you're, you're not capturing the data that's going to actually inform how to improve it. It's just like, well, these are the people that opened. Here's the people that didn't open. Here's the people that clicked. Here's the people that didn't click. Here's the people that bought. Here's the people that didn't bought. But the difference between someone who bought and never opened an email, never clicked a link, and someone who didn't buy that visited the sales page three times, visited the checkout page five times, opened every email, clicked every link is vastly different. Mm. Yeah. Well, you are lighting the fire to get lead scoring <laughs> in place. Dustin, our executive assistant, 
who's been on the podcast. I don't remember what episode, but he's working on on studying the automated intimacy stuff. Yes. And we're get we're we're on our way because it's so critical. You're right. There's a huge, huge difference between those two people. And it's just having that data and those insights that would that would tell us that. Right. Totally. And it's like all you have to do is capture it. You know, all you have to do is create the systems to capture it. Otherwise it's like you're losing all this like valuable insights into your business. You know, I think Phil talked about, it's like, well, you wouldn't run a store with a blindfold on. Like if you Mm -hmm. owned an Mm in-person shop, someone comes in the shop and looks at an item four times and walks out. It's like, you're going to talk to them, you know, Yeah. versus someone who's never heard of the store. Totally. So this leads me to something that's related and not related. Well, it is related. Okay. Do it. Does anyone ever think that you're evil for being in marketing? Because sometimes I get that when I explain to people that I write quiz funnels, they're like, what? And then I'm like, yeah, you know, you take a quiz and then um, you have to give your email address. They're like, you're evil. You're a spam sender. What are you doing? And I'm like, well, if it, if it mattered to you, then you wouldn't think I was evil. You'd be excited or, or whatever. Right. And then it makes me think of surveillance capitalism. These are two different things. But you, like surveillance capitalism to me is more like aggregate data being stolen or maybe not stolen because we like clicked yes and then right. and then sold and then I like hang out with Shanti and then all of a sudden her toothpaste is being advertised on my Instagram or something. And I think that's different than like From watching massive technocrat. Yeah. (laughs) Like, how can we be like these conscious people who want to use the data to do better, to sell these transformations that we wholeheartedly believe in versus like Google, who is like literally I I know it's not um, on Vogue right now, but I was listening to Joe Rogan and Robert Epstein today. And like, yeah. You're not allowed to listen to Joe Rogan. (laughs) (laughs) I was listening to it. I'm like, oh, this is why big tech wants to de-platform Joe. It has nothing to do with the like the science. It has everything to do with the like data science that is being Uh uh, shared right now. But yeah, it it really made me think of like, I have, I use an iPhone or not an iPhone. I use an Android and I'm like, okay, I got to go de-Googled. Anyway, so this is, that's what I meant where it's like similar, but different. And I think that Google used to be like, don't be evil was like their, their yeah, it was like their company slogan. <laughs> now it's yeah. like, be evil. Oh, yeah. um, so <laughs> what is evil? Can you define it so we can do it? So yeah, like, what do you think about this idea of like systems in place, watching people, using what you learn, but without, uh, and like, we're into persuasion, but we want to like persuade people into things that they need, or rather like, I think Rye talks about it, like helping them make a decision, like empowering them. Yeah, I keep talking. Coaching, keep... the coaching piece, right? Yeah. But that like, co- as a conversation. Yeah, coaching without creeping. I don't know. Or like creeping without seeming creepy or or coercive. How about coaching without coercing and using technology without being evil? Yeah, that's a great question. So for my first response is nobody in my family still understands what I do. So no matter how many times I've explained, you know, what I do and I'll even like my mom will be like on her computer. I'm like, mom, do you see that email? You see how like it's advertising this product? Yeah, that's kind of what I do. It's still, 
they don't get it. So nobody, nobody's ever called me evil. <laughs> and I feel like most of my peers in this space are probably like they're in marketing. So they have kind of a more nuanced understanding of it, but also like, I really strive to only work with people that I believe in who have products that I believe in that are actually helping people. And I've been very fortunate in that I've been able to attract those people and collaborate with them. But if I didn't really believe in someone's product, I wouldn't, I wouldn't help them and I wouldn't sell, I wouldn't help them sell more of it. And then in terms of like the data and using that, it's like, for me, it's all about using that to foster a greater connection with the audience. It's not about getting them to do something where it's like, Oh, you've been to the checkout page three times. Maybe we just need to push you, you know, over the edge. It's like, I view that as like, this is a real person like sitting at their desk on their computer, like clicking this link, reading this page, like they're thinking about this. It's like, if they're think if they're thinking about this at this stage of the launch, the problem that this product solves is probably very present for them and could be very problematic. And like, maybe it's not about pushing them over the edge or like getting off the fence. Maybe it's just about talking to them. Like, mm-hmm. what's up? Like, what could we do to support you? Like, where are you at? And then if it's like, look, now is not the time, then that's totally fine. But there's a way that you can help them and get the transformation that your product delivers, then I think that's pretty sweet. You know, it's not about being creepy and being like, hi, Jan, I see you've opened 29 emails and clicked 30 links and visited the sales page three times. And I just want to say I'm disappointed in you that you haven't I only work with decision makers. And if you don't click this link and buy right now, then I'm kicking you off my list. It's like, no, that's like totally, totally cringe. I think it comes back to the shop analogy too. Like we, especially anyone who's aware of what's going on with like big data have just associated the word data as like a dirty word, basically. But it doesn't have to be. It can be the exact same like Phil describes as someone going into your local mom and pop shop and and picking up the same product again and again, day after day, you're not going to just ignore them. You're going to help them make an empowered decision, not from a place of manipulation, mm-hmm. but from a place of like, okay, you got some blind spots. Maybe I can help you illuminate them, give you some clarity, answer some questions and, and support you in this. And that's so different from what's what's happening on a much, much bigger scale with like these huge conglomerates capturing data and using it to manipulate Mm -hmm. political, social, cultural spheres. But it's super interesting because we like, yeah, I encounter people too who are like, oh, you're in marketing? Like, that's horrible. You're like, well, no, it's not. Like, do you go to the, do you go to your local shop where you buy your organic deodorant and and tell the, the shop owner that they're horrible? Like, no. No, yeah, they're they're successfully marketing those products for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. That's all. That's all. Thank you. I just wanted to have it out there in the world. Yeah. I'll be like, I have an answer. Listen to podcast episode 13 with Matt yeah, Brown, where we talk about the sound bites. Uh-huh. Oh, for sure. That is a total sound bite combo. I just want to run back to something you said 
Don, you mentioned, you know, your friends who are launching and often like students or clients who are like, they're doing it mostly on their own. It's this really intense, demanding thing where there's a lot of expectations. There's a lot of unknowns and it's very stressful. I know that Matt, you practice Qigong and you're like just such a grounded, calm person. Do you have any, any like relaxation nervous system hacks? Absolutely. So glad you asked that question because yeah, I mean, I'm glad that I've come across that way because I can definitely get in my head and get, you know, spinning out and get anxious and things like that. And that's why I've always sought out those support systems. And, you know, a big part of that is tea. You know, we started the conversation with tea and this particular type of tea. It's like, for me, it's like this amazing kind of everyday medicine where it's very grounding, but it's also, you know, clarifies your thinking, clarifies the mind um, and is energizing without, you know, and I, I also love coffee. So I'm not a coffee hater, but, you know, after three cups of coffee, like I'm not making the best decisions about like, or I'm not having the best thoughts. I'm way more in the anxious place versus like calm, centered peaceful, like, you know, having a sense of discernment about things, about the thoughts that I'm thinking. But then in terms of like specific relaxation things, I mean, I have a lot of different stuff that I do. I don't know how weird we want to go all the way into this podcast, but like for people (laughs) listening, I, what I, something I love to do is to, so I have like a bunch of like relaxation tonics, like herbs and stuff like that, that I make. So I, I like to like make like a super relaxing drink and then I'll like put on the blindfolds and I'll just like listen to like harp music or I'll listen to like flute music and just like lay down or I'll take a foot bath or go to the hot tub or like things like that. So I guess I just like I'm consistently prioritizing relaxation. It's just as important to me as stimulation, you know, coffee, tea in the morning is like having sort of an unwinding practice at the end of the day. Um, there's a lot of different things that can support that. Um, I just don't want to come off as like an affiliate person that's trying to shill <laughs> <laughs> your products on a podcast and stuff. Oh, go hard. Go hard. Yeah, what do you, what, what do you I use? Mean, I'll buy it. <laughs> I'm looking at getting a red light, like the red light therapy. Thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested in that. I don't even know what the company's called that does them in Canada, but Juve? Juve, the Juve light. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. So like, like in terms, yeah. Like the biohacking space, like I kind of drop at this stage of my life, I've like drawn the line on like tech where like, I'm not going to get like the, you know, the, the Elon um, optic. Totally. And connector. like you can get the nebulizer that like, you know, nebulizes colloidal silver and you get the, the red light, you know, I'm just like, I'm not into like the, the biotech, but in terms of like supplements and products, there's an amazing herbal formula called agar 35 Mm -hmm. uh, which is a tibet it's like a tibetan herbal blend and it has a a ton of different amazing herbs in there you can get it from a company called city energetics Mm -hmm. and the guy who owns the company his name's joseph wagner he's a super amazing dude um, based out of colorado so you should probably get shipping pretty fast and it's just really great for calming the mind i'm actually out right now and i have another package coming but take that at the end of the day i've gotten re- i've really grown to appreciate in the pandemic time kava as well so i've like finally mm. dialed in how to prepare kava correctly and found a really good source for it so like that's been amazing to have at the end of the day 
Um, you know, I, I enjoy like a glass of wine here and there as well, but I just find that alcohol like interferes with my sleep and I'm like, get really hungover nowadays. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, I'm just like looking for other ways to relax. Reishi mushroom is amazing. Uh, so really high quality, like single strain CBD is great. Lots of stuff. I have like a, a bunch of like herbal cocktails that I make for myself. I love it. So Kava, are you doing like a preparing it yourself yeah. and doing the extraction with water or alcohol? Okay. So with it's with water, but and a you know, big podcast guy. So this is what I've gathered from like, this is the, I'm not an expert on this. This is the information that I've pieced together from podcasts and Reddit which is that the active constituents in kava are called kava lactones. And, you know, it's interesting because in that name, lac, it's like lactic, you know, milk, it's like this fatty substance. And a certain percentage of kava lactones seem to be um, able to dissolve in water, so they're water-soluble. But then a certain other percentage of them seem to be fat-soluble, so that they dissolve in fat. So what I do is I just, like, get my, like, 120-degree water I put in the Vitamix with some MCT oil and that creates this sort of creamy water base that it has enough fat content I found to extract the fat-soluble cobalactones and enough water content to extract the water-soluble cobalactones. And then I do the whole nut milk strainer bag squeezing thing, you know, and it, the, the thing is that it is kind of tedious and does take a long time because you know, you can kind of do that for 20 minutes and let it steep for like another 40 minutes. So you just kind of got to prepare. And yeah, I, I do that. <laughs> That's so cool. so cool. So you're getting the leaf, like the whole leaf. And then it's like the root. So it's the like, the, it's like the, it's like the ground, ground up root. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I wonder if I could do this with my, my kava that's in capsules right now. Cause I find like, I got these capsules after sending my hubs to the health food store, I'm like, I need kava. I've yeah. taken kava for years. And I've, but I've always taken it in tincture form. He just got the powder in caps and I find it doesn't do anything, but the tincture would. Yeah. It's because the kava lactones are going to be, there's, you know, if it's a tincture, that's going to be like a 40% alcohol base with 60% water. So I don't know how they're making it or who's making it, but a certain percentage of those covalactones are going to be soluble in that. And they may be alcohol soluble as well. But I think the problem with caps is that like, you're just digesting like the root material and it's like, you're not actually getting like the extraction of the covalactones. I don't know. Again, like, yeah. I'm not, yeah. Uh, you know, a doctor or anything like that, but I would, I would recommend, I can share where I get, get the stuff from and, uh, just going through that process because for years I was like, on the, I just like, didn't get it. I like had tried it a bunch of times. I'm like, I'm not feeling anything. It's not working. I tried tinctures, capsules. And yeah. then once I kind of like commit, I'm like, look, I'm going to figure this out. And once I did, I'm like, Oh, now I understand what people are talking about. Cause you read these glowing reviews about it. Yeah. And it's like, what, this is so different from my experience. What are they doing that I'm not doing? So I, I just like finally went all the way and figured it out. And I'm really glad that I did. So Right. And Kava has this rich history of being a, an entheogen that like yeah. people have been using for millennia. Like it's fascinating. Okay. I'm going to try this. I'm going to, I'm going to go all the way too, because I definitely have the, 
the wine habit as my like, okay, the day is done. I need totally. to like shift my state. And yeah, it, it interferes with a lot of things, right? Yeah, for sure. And there's nothing nothing wrong with it. Like I love a great no, glass of wine as well. I'm just like always looking for like more optimized ways to get into a relaxed state. And now that I've like kind of cracked the code on a couple of these things, it's like alcohol is great for socializing, but in terms of relaxation, it's really like a subpar experience for me at this point. Yeah. Okay. This is related, but different. And guys, <laughs> I just thought of an epic launch package that we could do together, which would be like the launch retreat. And so like, I'm talking epic. We probably only sell one a year. We'll take a vacation on either side of it as well, wherever the retreat is, but it's like, okay, you're ready to launch. And we're going to go to this beautiful home with a sauna and a hot springs. And the three of us will be there and we'll like support them through the whole thing with everything from like, you know, whatever the five French sauces or whatever your favorite thing is, Shanti, like food, uh, relaxation, meditations, and like baller copy and data analysis on the fly. We can like have like a, a room where they do their lives and then they come out afterwards and you're like, here's your kava, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. It sounds amazing. <laughs> Sign me up. Totally. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, there was, there was a house, for sale beside these hot springs that we live near and and Colin and I were looking at it we're like oh this would, be, this would be like a pretty sick investment could because it had a hot spring a private hot spring in no the back way. yeah oh my yeah goodness. that's and the dream right there that yeah. could be the the launch house like just like do, it. do four of those a year oh yeah wow right? okay all right, All right. Gonna, I'm 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 bought in. So come together. You know. Well, if anyone listening is interested, you can uh, jump into the show notes to get our popcorn recipes yeah. and contact info for the the launch retreat package. Uh, I'm I'm kind of kidding, but but almost we not. Can make that, it happen. We, we could. Happen. I mean, we could just launch our own things together and support each other through it too, which would be That'd more be affordable. So cool. <laughs> <We> yes. <could. laughs> just, uh <sighs> I'm here for it. I love all of these, all of these wrecks. Super uh-huh. fan of nerding out on biohacking stuff. Yeah. I think that you mentioned some commonalities between the biohacking community and like copywriters, marketers, or what they can learn, what we can learn from the biohacking world. Yeah, I, I put that on the, I, when I did that intake form, I had like a spare, like 10 minutes. And I was just like, I'm just going to rapid fire all this stuff out and let's see what we end up talking about. So I'm glad we're, we're hitting on that. And, you know, what, what's funny is like when 2020 started, so pre-COVID, or at least pre-COVID in the United States, my intention for the year was like, all right, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to go to conferences. I'm going to meet other copywriters. I'm going to, you know, go to these events, all these things that I had like kind of seen happening on the sidelines for a couple of years. I was like, all right, like I've got my footing. I feel like now's, now's the time. And then all that just got completely shut down. But, you know, and the thing is, is like, I have a lot of friends who are copywriters that are 
that I know online, but that I never met in person. So I don't know what all the daily habits of a lot of copywriters are and um, their diets and routines and stuff like that. But from my sort of like impression, like my gestalt impression of it is just like hit the coffee hard, work really hard, grind, crank out words, you know, crank out editing and just kind of like really amp yourself up. And like, for me, I just never really works where it's like, I feel like my best writing space is like, I have to be like, kind of like calm, but also energized, hence the tea. And I take, you know, I have a, depending on the type of day that I have or the type of work that I'm doing, I'll adjust like the supplements that I'm taking. And I've always like toyed around with the idea of like doing like a natural nootropics for copywriters course, because it's like, not exactly. It's, I feel like I've got a really good stack for writing and I'm really into the natural stuff, you know, lion's brain, uh, choline supplements. I'm not going to take like synthetic nootropics and stuff like that just because I'm not really interested in that. I just don't feel like it's good for your body. No, no shame for anyone that has found a lot of support, um, with those things as well. But yeah, I just feel like there's so many ways that you can op- optimize your workflow and make, cause like writing is hard and it's like challenging and editing is hard and it's hard to do all the time. And so anything you can do that sort of makes that process easier, more enjoyable for you or less, less resistant, less friction is going to really just improve the quality of your life and make your life a lot easier. I love that. Yeah. Okay. I really want to know this. No what? What the what the writing the writing stack, um, your natural nootropic writing stack. But I don't want to give away your course. And I think this is an, I don't have a course. <laughs> an excellent course idea. It really is because you're so right. We need to be in that optimal state in order to produce good work. Like someone on our team the other day was like, "I just am so overwhelmed right now. I can't." I can't. I'm like, "Yeah, no." you can't you need to like close your computer and and go do something else and don't even think about it because you can't it's impossible um right even like yeah the the different seasons of life like when i was in a state of absolute deep sleep deprivation from little babies being up all night i mean like took me double triple the time to write a half decent email than it does when I'm well rested and taking and it just like hurts it just hurts when you're like not in a good place and you have to like put your absolute best foot forward when writing it just it's just like it's painful Mm -hmm. or even recording the podcast and or even hosting client calls like you have to be sharp and able to to take in that information quickly and yeah so it's fascinating that you're right. Most copywriters, I think, are just like coffee is the only is the <laughs> only mental stimulant nootropic, if we could call it that. That is it is, is happening. Yeah. But there's so much out there. There's so much. There is, and it's just like even before I was in in this world, I was just into this stuff kind of on my own, anyways, and so. I just had, I feel like I spent a lot of time, like I've basically tried anything you can try on the market for this type of stuff. And I feel like I've come, 
the thing is though, it's like, I feel like I've come to a good stack for me. I don't know what other people's brain chemistry right. is like. And it's different everyone. everyone has different dispositions and everyone's on a different diet and has, you know, different, you know, nutrients coming into their system that maybe what I would recommend to somebody would like totally space them out or like make them too anxious or, you know, too energized, something like that. So I feel like it's about just experimenting with the stuff that's out there and finding out what works for you, because I don't know if this, the things that I take, you know, lion's brain, uh, Hooperzine A uh, are going to work for you as well in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my brother, the other day we were, we were at the hot springs and he's like, I'm so jealous. By the way, I got this idea of, yeah, man, right now the the natural ones are hard to get to, but there's one close to where we live that we can go to if you get a spa treatment. So it's just a really good excuse to go get a massage and then go to the hot springs after. And my brother came for my birthday and he's like full-time electrician, but has this idea to start a supplement company doing custom nootropic blends Mm -hmm. based on, you know, what you're looking for, a lot of different factors. I was like, oh, that's that's cool. That'd be fun. We could create like a neat quiz for that. If we understood the different parameters of what people would be looking for, but you're so right. It's a totally, it's a totally unique thing. I'm trying Bacopa right now. Bacopa Benere. Yeah. And I'm not like really noticing much of a difference, but and not that DHA is a nootropic necessarily, but I was telling Don this morning, I'm like, girl, you got to get some DHA. Like if I go off my DHA, I'm, I can't, I can't think properly. Interesting. Yeah. I I haven't had much success with Bacopa either. And the issue that I think we run into in this world is just like looking for quality. So it's like the company that's the best at getting their product in front of you or Mm -hmm. making it available or accessible. Is not necessarily the one that's going to have the highest quality extract or that use the best material to begin with so maybe that the the constituents of the bacopa you have weren't weren't high enough to actually make a noticeable difference or it could also be with a lot of these you know herbs it takes a long time for them to build up in Mm. your system to the point where you are noticing a big difference so it's yeah 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 i i worked in health food stores for years before moving into like cooking professionally and then marketing randomly. Oh, that's amazing. I didn't know that. But yeah. And I was studying herbalism and like on track to, to get that diploma, I guess, and be an herbalist. And the problem in Canada, particularly, it's less of a problem in the States. In Canada, we have such regulation around natural products I mean, I swear there's more rules around natural products than there are around pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical. products in this country. That's like crazy. you can't you can't get vitamin C over like a thousand milligram dose. But what we know about vitamin C in in how it interacts with certain illnesses is that you need like ten thousand milligrams two right. three times a day. So you can go and buy a bottle of vitamin C take the whole thing in a day. And, and then finally you're hitting the threshold of efficacy, Right. but it's not marketed in that way. Mm-hmm. And same thing with lots of nootropics, lots of herbal supplements, 
like I really got to geek out on the research around those things, what we know is an effective dose. And then the amount that we see in a proprietary blend, if you're able to see the, the milligrams look, or yeah. something, it's like, it's just a joke because it's not even near the amount that you would actually need. And so I think that is part of the reputation that, that natural supplements have with a lot but of don't people. Work. They're like, I tried that. It doesn't work, but it's not necessarily that it doesn't work. It's that the amounts are totally inaccurate. And it's mostly this, this weird game of like, oh yeah, we'll throw this, this blend together and say it does this, but in actuality, that's mostly for marketing purposes. Mm. Yeah. And like most of the time too, like a lot of these products have like rich historical traditional uses that date back thousands of years. And if you read accounts of people, you know, who experienced them, you're like, same with the cops. Like, this does not match my experience. And based on my own experience, it's like, it's because what we have access to in a Bacopa product or in a Ginkgo product is actually just not good. It just doesn't meet the criteria of an effective dose for what this thing is. Mm. And so you just write it off. But then I'm actually very fortunate to be friends with someone who owns like a herbal company and he has like relationships with all these different sorcerers and stuff like that. When you try a really amazing reishi mushroom or really amazing ginseng, you're like, oh yeah, now I definitely get what people are talking about. This is the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like this and I'm bringing it back to something we were talking about earlier in a very strange way. So bear with me, but I think that we are so used to things like coffee or energy drinks or Tylenol or what have you. And so out of touch with how we feel in our bodies that even sometimes herbal supplements don't feel like they're doing anything because we don't have the ability to notice what they're doing. And that (laughs) stretch here, but is really similar to either not having your CRM set up correctly or not looking at it correctly. Yes. This is, (laughs) this is so true because like there could be something happening in your body or in your CRM that you just don't have the awareness capability to notice. Yeah. Right. That was like the best, the best full circle I've ever. That was the best tieback ever, Don. Thank you. Well, and then it brings me back to that thing where you you said right away, no, I don't think I would have a course in this. But I think that I actually like have a holistic counseling thing, and part of what the certification did was teach me how to teach people how to recognize what was happening in their bodies. So if there is some sort of combo of Shanti, your brother, as well as like your your course idea that you have already rejected, but maybe haven't, um, where you could lead people, like first, maybe you'd lead them in like a Qigong meditation and see how they feel. And then, and then take them on this journey of herbs and at the same time, connect it with their launch plans. And like, by the time they're ready to launch, they have this sweet mm. setup of like support on all levels. Um, wow. And then they'll come to our hot springs house. <laughs> where Whoa. <we> can... <laughs> all right. This yeah. is uh, like, this is expanding my, you know, 
I, idea ideas big time because I know we don't talk to people about this stuff. So it's cool to talk about it with you. Like, it's kind of like I have the people I talk to this stuff about, and then I have like my clients that I do projects with, but they don't want to hear about like Chaga, you know, when they're trying to write an email, like what you need to do is just like make a really strong cup of Chaga tea and uh, like just, just go listen to some harp music and you lay down in your bed and then the email will write itself. You don't have to worry about this. (laughs) Oh, totally. Yeah. And that's a great point too, Don. It's like, why, why do you, why do you want the optimized state? Why do you crave that? What's the drive behind it? getting clear on that Mm -hmm. that's going to be the motivation to follow through and do the things that feel totally foreign and weird even you're like I had this I had this boyfriend once and he was obsessed with ginkgo fruit okay have you ever experienced a ginkgo fruit either of you Mm -mm. it's like a, a nut right yeah yeah so and for anyone listening who's like what's ginkgo ginkgo biloba is uh a type of tree that grew in Asia, but grows in the Okanagan in Canada too, and is incredible for combating Alzheimer's, mental degeneration, and it's just keeping you sharp. So we would go to this massive, super old ginkgo tree that was planted centuries ago in near Naramata, done and harvest the fruit which smells like dirty diapers it's the (laughs) worst smell and that's why you don't see very many uh female ginkgo trees because the smell is very offensive anyhow we would harvest this because he was convinced that it was like the the anti-aging solution i don't know but the, the, the fruit would break down and then you get into the nut and there's a, there's a kernel within the nut that he was like, okay, we just got to eat one of these a day because this like old Chinese woman that had originally planted the tree that and she, you know, was acted and looked like she was 60. Mm-hmm. So he was like, okay, we do our one ginkgo kernel a day and I don't. I think that's that story um, erupted out of the the sheer weirdness of some of this stuff. But mm. it's so it's so fascinating to me. I love that. That's amazing. My in laws actually live in Japan and they eat ginkgo nuts there a lot. Right. So, but we can't find them here. No, no. And and the only reason he knew that was that was like some passed down knowledge. Yeah. Right. You don't see that anywhere. He was probably a lot older than you too, knowing you. <laughs> yes. Yep. He was. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, 21 at the time. And he's like, there's anti-aging. Go keep it up. <laughs> like, like, yeah, cool. Okay. Pass the ginkgo. <laughs> that is something that, you know, people will say to me, they're like, Matt, why do you, why do you care about this? Like you're young and healthy and energetic. It's like, like, yeah, but it's like, you can always, it's like, you can always go one more level up into flow or into something mm-hmm. like that, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to stay that way. For as sure. As long as possible. Plus it's just, yeah. it's, it's like, there's things out there that can support you getting into an optimal state 
And if they're actually helping you and they're not doing any harm to you, then it's amazing to develop a relationship with them. Totally. Well, I feel like we need to have a follow-up episode have to. dedicated to nootropics. Yes, Anytime. Anytime. Low optimization. Mm-hmm. Stay okay. tuned for the launch retreat announcement in the next yeah. you know, year or so, because I just think that would be the most fun ever. And that's what I try and do is choose to do the things that are the most fun ever. And speaking of that, this has been one of our most fun episodes ever. So yeah, please come back. And I think we already asked you this, but if people want to find you, they can find you by emailing you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I like my, my email inbox is like semi-sacred and like, I don't, I don't know if a bunch of people, oh, maybe, fair maybe, enough. maybe fair no enough. one's going to even want to talk to me, but like, if you want to put my email in the show notes, just put like, you know, Matt plus Shanti or like Matt plus EE in the name so that I can filter those when they come in, or you can just find me on Facebook. And this is, I promise you, not some weird, like invisible funnel, secret funnel type thing. It's just like, <laughs> Facebook is a great way to just sort of like the public meeting place for um, people. So if you want to chat, um, we can, you know, connect there. Uh, yeah, I wish I had a website or something like that, but I you don't, um, All good. or you can just, yeah, ask Shanti or Don for my email and they can give it to you. So there you go, friends. Thank you so much, Matt. This was so fun. Of I- course. I mean, when we proposed the idea of potentially coming on, I was like, I don't know what I would talk about, but I get to talk with Shanti and Don for an hour. So I'm in, you know, whatever it ends up being, it sounds great to me. Well, thank goodness. Yeah, I expect to hear from me in your Insta DMs soon. And bye. All right, see ya. Well, look at you listening to the very end. We are so deeply grateful for you and borderline obsessed with hearing what resonated most and how you're taking the seeds planted in these conversations and sowing them in your life and business. It would mean more than you know if you would share this episode with a friend or subscribe, rate, leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Your reviews tell the algos behind the apps that we are worth pressing play on. So please, if you're feeling generous, take two minutes to share the love. And if you are curious around what your unique advantage is in this wild and wacky online world, take the unfair advantage quiz at shandyzack.com forward slash UA quiz. And thank you again, sunshine. Go light up the world and we'll see you next time.